Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today, I'm going to be sharing a recent conversation, a recent training that I did for our Directors Inner Circle and our Owners HQ membership groups. And this exclusive training for them was on how to do strategic planning for the upcoming school year. So throughout this episode, you're going to hear me reference a lot on this live call This just gives you a little bit of taste of what we do inside of our membership, how we coach our clients, and how we really help the members achieve success. So some of the things that we go over in today's training is how to create something that I call a time budget. Budget is not only for money. A budget is also a time budget because there isn't unlimited time, just like there isn't unlimited money. I go over what should be invited into your calendar versus what should not be in your calendar. I walk the members through how to pre-plan for big events so they can properly budget the time and money needed for a project. Most owners and directors and leaders are very good at budgeting the amount of money that's needed for a specific initiative, project, program that you're doing inside the school, but have very poor time budgeting for how much time it takes to prepare, execute, design all the layers into putting a project together, we're not recognizing how much time it takes. And that really impacts the availability that the team has, their burnout level, their overwhelm, their stress level, their tolerance level, and a lot of other things. I also go over how to design the projects in a way that you can have roles and responsibilities and seamless accountability. So if after you check out this episode, you want more amazing resources like this one, you could definitely check out our school leadership toolkit. The link is in the show notes. And this toolkit helps you develop 
skills and confidence to have difficult conversation, productive parent-teacher conferences, how to help you manage your to-do list with these, and a lot more. It's just a great resource for school leaders to have. Details are obviously in the show notes. So now let's dive into this exclusive training on how to strategically plan out your school year. All right, welcome to Q3's quarterly planning, which will also be annual planning for the upcoming school year. Uh, So this is something different than we've typically done when it comes to quarterly planning. But based on the support call that we had last week in our owners group, getting a lot of feedback around how can we strategically plan better for the upcoming school year that typically begins mid-August or the fall, uh, September, depending on where you're located in the world, And so today's training is really going to be divided into a few different sections. We're going to be following our standard training parts where we talk about reflect, reset, and recast, which we've done for the last two quarterly planning sessions. Then we're going to really dive into understanding how to strategically map out your upcoming school year calendar. And then I'm also going to dive into some higher level concepts when it comes to understanding where your time should be going, how to choose your priorities, and how to delegate those appropriately with the right team members. So let's get started with some of the wins here. Jessica, because I'm showing up. Exactly, right? Like that, that is a reason to be proud. Yes, I have kept my anchors. I've tensionally sat and discovered with my daughter as she worked through a tough emotion yesterday. Had a great team building activity. I went whitewater rafting and the upper middle sections of the, oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. Mindset shift to abundance. So much has changed by this at the beginning of the progress, but looking forward to learning. No worries. That's fine. Great. It's so good to see everyone. So make sure you are muted and let's dive in. All right. So on the priorities reset call in April, I spoke, I I introduced this concept called a time budget, where just like when we have a financial budget, where we sit at the beginning of the year, whether that's in January or the beginning of the school year, and we create our financial budget. Where should the money go this year? Where should we put expenses? Where should we make investments? Where should we, where does every dollar go? And financial budgets are very much part of the acumen of all business owners and directors and administration because we understand this concept from when we're growing up, right? There's a financial budget in a household. And so I introduced the concept of a time budget that just like you need to allocate where every dollar goes, you also need to pre allocate where your time goes, or it will be eaten up by the the demons and the vacuums of time who just take our time away from us, right? Similar to the dryer that eats the socks. There's, you know, somewhere that's just constantly eating at our time. And so I explained the concept of a time budget. 50% of your time budget is fixed. 50% of the time that is allocated to you on a daily basis, which is 24 hours in a day, is already predetermined because you need to take a shower, you need to brush your teeth, you need to go to work, you need to take up, do payroll, you need to take out the garbage, you need to sleep, you need to use the bathroom, you need to do all human things. 50% of your time is already taken up for that, okay? The other 30% of your time budget is discretionary. It's seasonal projects. And we're going to really dive into this today when I go into the annual planning part. Okay, so this is seasonal projects. For example, high enrollment season. So a couple months ago, many of you were doing fall enrollment. That's a high enrollment season. Another seasonal project is September. It's the beginning of the school year. You need to allocate time to deal with all of the parents that have questions, 
where's the badge? Where do I sign in? It doesn't matter how many videos you made. I don't care how many handbooks you have, how many email reminders you've sent out. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be a handful of parents that said, I didn't see the email. I don't know where it is. Where is that? You're always going to have someone. Give me a yes in the comments. If every single year, as long as you've operated, there's always at least one or two parents that ask you a question that you sent 70 emails about. Okay, so let's start with the fact that you're not alone. So you're not crazy. You don't have hard parents. <laughs> you have normal parents. Every single school will have this. Prepare for it, right? Prepare for it. Train your administration and your directors. Guys, there's going to be a parent that sends this email. So when it comes, guess what you get to do? You get to cheer. Yay, the email came. There's a couple more and then we're done, right? Like just respond to it in a different way, right? Only one or two, right? Like only one or two, like there's usually like 15 or 20. So that's 30%. And then 20% of your budget is margin. You need to create margin. And what I'm going to teach you today when we go over annual planning is creating margin for flu season. We need to create margin for when there are higher elevated times for people, for when people typically get sick. So no, I am not being doomsday and saying, oh, all your teachers are going to be sick during flu season. No, I am planning and letting you know flu season comes every year. Every year, you're going to have teachers out with the cold, the flu, the this, the that, every year. So let's not be surprised when three teachers are out with COVID or three teachers are out with the flu or pneumonia. Let's plan for it. Let's create margin so that when these things happen, it's like, oh, yeah, we knew that someone was going to be out during January because there's always someone sick. So we don't have to be surprised because then what happens is as flu season comes, everyone works in overdrive. And then the spring comes and everyone's a wrung out towel, exhausted, burnt out, overwhelmed, and they're done. We're like, I'm out of here. When really, we could just plan differently. So 20% of your budget is margin for sick, unexpected things that happen, things that come up. And so we broke this down that if you work 40 hours a week and 20% of your time needs to be allocated for margin, that means you need to allocate eight to 10 hours a week where there's nothing scheduled. I will say that again. You need to allocate eight to 10 hours a week where there is nothing scheduled. It is white space for things to come up because life happens to all of us. Okay, that is based on a 40 hour work week. If you work less hours, well, then you need to you know, create the budget. Give me a yes if we're following along so far. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this as a review, but I do want to spend a little bit of time reviewing because it's important to remember these are foundational, timeless concepts when it comes to planning. Okay, let's move on to the next concept here when we're looking at planning and creating our quarterly plan and then also our annual plan. We're going to go into the reflection stage. So I created a breakdown of the year into um, time and hours. I'm just going to go over it again uh, because I think it's just a great reminder. So there are 8,760 hours in a year. Okay, If you break down the amount of hours that you have in a year, there's 8,760 hours in a year. Someone works 40 hours a week, right? 50 weeks a year. That's 2,000 hours of your year goes to work. 2,000 hours goes to work. 
If you sleep an average of seven hours a night, 2,500 hours of your year goes to sleep. You eat three meals a day. A meal is about 30 minutes, 500 hours to eat. The average American spends four and a half hours a day on their phone or on social media. That's 1,300 hours. Whenever someone tells me I don't have enough time, I always say this to them. 1,300 hours on social media. Okay? So you have 2,400 hours left. What are you going to do at that time? If you've got a spouse, if you've got kids, if you've got pets, if you have faith, if you have community, if you have obligations, well, boom, there's where the vast majority of your time is going. This is why I talk so much about understanding time tracking. Where is your time going? So one of the first exercises that we always do either before quarterly planning or after quarterly planning, time track. Time track. It doesn't matter how many times you have done this. We have people who've been in this program for five years. They still do it. Time track. You need a real data viewpoint of where your time is going. Because when you look at it, it gives you the little kind of shakeup that you need of like, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. So that's your first step is in the reflection is make sure you're doing that time tracking. Now let's go into some reflective questions. What are some of the most significant decisions you've made over the past four months? Now I want to explain what I mean by significance versus productive. The way that many of us make decisions is we make it from the perspective of what is going to give me an ROI? What is going to give me the maximum return on my investment of time or money? Is this goal, is this meeting or whatever it is going to move me closer to my goals? But there's another way to look at decision-making. There's another way to look at where should I be spending my time? And that is the significance calculation. If I engage in this activity, does it have significance for me in five years from now? Does this have significance for me in three months from now, in six months from now? When you make a decision about a project from the lens of significance, you stop operating from the tyranny of the urgent. Okay, now some of you are already past this, which is great. So now you could coach us to your team. And some of you are very much in the thick of living in the tyranny of the urgent. It's like everything's urgent. Everything's a fire. Everything needs to happen now. Almost nothing needs to happen now. My team is constantly asking me, oh, do I need to do this? Can this wait for tomorrow? I'm like, almost nothing is urgent anymore. Nothing is urgent in my life anymore. Nothing, 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 nothing. When you learn to operate from that place, you make such level-headed decisions because you make decisions from a place of significance. Because the thing that we need to remember as we continue to up-level ourselves and our mindset and our leadership is prioritizing doesn't create more time. I'm going to say that again. Prioritizing does not create more time in your life. There is still the same finite amount of time in the day. That is why when there are too many priorities or there's so many things you want to do, you need to use a significance calculator. 
is this going to be significant? Is this going to have a significant impact on the legacy that I want to build? On what it is that I'm trying to do in this world? And then we get even messier because sometimes the significance bumps up again other values. The vast majority of the people on this call are parents and parents of young children. And so that is going to bash against it all the time. All the time, every day, every single day. I want to spend time with my kids. I want to be in the business. I want to go over here. I want to do this. I want to spend time with my pets. I want to spend time with this. I want to be with my mom. I want to all day long. Because your ambitions and your values clash. And so when that happens, this is where the significance piece comes in, right? This is where you're asking a different question. You're not choosing between your family and your business. What you actually need to do is choose between all the shiny projects that you want to do in the business and say, this one we're doing this quarter and this one is next year. It's the discipline of saying, I can do all the fun stuff I want to do in my business. I can't do them all yesterday. I can do everything I want to do. I just cannot all do it at the same time. And here's why. Because there's other things that are significant in your life. You have such a beautiful, full life. You have a partner. You have um, siblings. You have friends. You have vacation. There's other things that are happening in your life, which is so beautiful. And if you only choose this one area, then you're missing out on the fullness of your life, which, which is why the vast majority of school leaders are constantly struggling with setting the right priorities. Because inside, they know what the right priorities are. But let me tell you, these projects in the business, they give the best quick hit of dopamine. You get quick feedback. You get great, great, like people love it. It's awesome. You love the feedback. It gives you quick wins. It's awesome. It feels great. When you invest in your family, you don't get quick wins. You know when you see the wins? In a decade, in two decades, that's when you start to see, oh, look at my child. They're actually a great human being (laughs) who's not flailing around in the grocery store, kicking and screaming for the piece of gum. But you don't get the quick results in the grocery store. You get all the dirty looks from all the other parents in the grocery store, and that doesn't feel good. So we want the quick wins which is important in the beginning stages. When you're in schools of excellence, we're not playing beginner's games anymore. You need quick wins, but you also have to learn the discipline of waiting for the win, of choosing a project that might take longer to accomplish, but has greater significance. If you always choose projects that give you quick hits, like we did the graduation, we did this, we did... If you're always choosing those projects, then you're not creating long-term sustainability because every project just delivers in the now. I'm going to pause because I'm giving you a ton of information. So I'm going to give you a moment for processing. And I want you to come into the chat. I want you to share. What are you processing? Sandy, sorting what things are projects and what are long-term. Yeah, right. So what are quick win projects? And what are legacy projects, the decades game projects, the big projects? Thanks, Sandy. 
Maria, I'm a sucker for the shiny projects. Oh, aren't we all <laughs> in the business? And then we have trouble following through with all of them and it breaks trust. Yeah. So in not, can I tell you the biggest trust that it breaks? You stop trusting yourself. And that, that person, when you big trust with that person yourself, you're done. Because if you can't trust that you're going to show up and you're going to deliver on your promise, you completely shatter your self-confidence, which completely blinds your decision-making because you're crippled with self-doubt. You don't trust yourself. And so you're trying to make decisions, but it's all clouded with that judgment. And so this is why you need to look from a different direction and say, if I say yes, to this, am I going to be able to follow through? Because then I'm breaking trust with myself. I'm breaking promises with myself. I tell this to my 12-year-old son all the time, right? He's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm like, no, you're going to do small projects and small goals because you have to teach yourself that you could trust yourself, that when you say a word, your word is bond. You can learn to trust your own word. Kathy, I need to stop with the must-do right now. I love the legacy project thing. Yes. This has been a fun thing that I started doing with myself internally uh, since, uh, well, probably since after the live event when we really committed to maintenance here where we're not taking on kind of extra things. And I really started filtering opportunities and projects through the legacy lens. Is this part of my legacy? Is this part of my legacy? And if it's not, thank you so much for the opportunity. Please get back to me in a year from now. Because in a year from now, it might be part of my legacy. I don't know. I'm not saying no forever. Right now, it's not part of what I'm building for legacy. Oh, this is the long game every single day. And this kind of discipline is so hard to teach yourself, which is why most people don't ever get there. Martha, all the exciting background projects I want to be working on are dopamine hits. Yeah, I'm speaking on Friday um, at an event in Orlando. And one of the concepts, I'm talking about the bridge concept. And one of the things that I was preparing for this keynote is reassurance is a drug. And it's a drug that a lot of leaders use every single day on their staff. They drug them with reassurance. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. Oh, you're doing a really good job. Oh, it's okay. Oh, and constantly feeding them reassurance. And the reason why reassurance is a drug is because you constantly need more of it. It's never enough. Tell me one teacher where you've given her enough reassurance where she was finally like, okay, yeah, now now I'm good. It's never enough. She says, yeah, I'm good when she finally learns how to high five herself when she learns how to give herself reassurance. And this is why the thing where Martha's talking about the dopamine hit, it's never enough. You can never have enough projects on your plate if you're constantly seeking that hit. This is why you have to teach yourself, I don't need the hit. I got it. I'm good. Right? I'm good. Mel, I have to realize that there is always never going to be a time where I'm caught up. Yes. We spoke about this on Strategic Advisor yesterday. There is no catch up. There is no catch up. You can't catch up on sleep. You can't catch up on projects. There is no catch up. You're exactly where you are. You're exactly where you need to be. So that's a reflection stage, right? We're asking ourselves, what are the significant projects? What are the legacy projects? And we're making sure to do time tracking. Let's go into the next one, which is restore. When I explained this concept of restore, I spoke about it from the lens of inventory. So before you go on a big trip, or before you go school supply shopping, which 
holy crap, I went to Walmart yesterday and they're already selling school supplies. I'm like, no, 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 it's summer. Get away. I'm not looking. No. And every single time I wait for the last second because I don't want to buy school supplies and there's nothing left ever. Every single year. My kid's like, why do we wait for the last second? I'm like, because mama wants to hold on to summer. So before you go school supply shopping, for those of you that are still doing that in their season of life, you take inventory. How many folders do we have? How many crayons? How many scissors? How many markers? Because when you go shopping, you don't want to buy five more scissors when you have 20 in the garage. That's just good business sense, right? Good, good decision making. Well, before you plan out the school year, we need to take inventory. Inventory. We want to make sure that we are taking inventory of the things that are important to us. And then saying, okay, yeah, you know, maybe I accumulated a lot of these projects throughout the year, but I'm going to go give this to Goodwill. I'm going to go donate this. And by donate, I mean delete, delegate, or say goodbye. Because we accumulate projects and ideas and other people's problems and other people's commitments throughout the year. And before we go into a new year, we want to say, no, I'm not doing that this year. I know it creeped up on me during a moment of crisis. This teacher had a baby. This one did this. This one had extended COVID. All, all the reasons. And now it's on my plate. But now I'm taking inventory and I'm saying, I'm pulling this out of my closet. I'm giving it back to you. Here's your gift. I'm re-gifting it. So what do we need to take inventory on? Here are some things we do inventory on. Family commitments. Have you overcommitted yourself to your family? Extended family. Other things we uh, want to take inventory on, community, whether you're part of synagogue or church, are you overcommitted there or are you not enough committed there, right? Are you like, no, I, I want to be more involved in my church. Okay, well, then we got to take inventory on other things and say goodbye to that so you could be more involved in community. Friends, we have been talking about friendship all month. Do you need to take inventory of your friends? Is it time for you to upgrade your friends? Is it time for a new social circle? Take inventory of your friends. One of the questions that I ask myself uh, when it comes to friendships, and this is a great lens that I love to work through, is, is there an equal exchange of energy? This isn't about, is there an equal, I do for me, you do for you. That's horse trading. Never go down that path. Is there an equal exchange of energy? Right? Where when we're in conversation, I don't feel that I'm the one that's constantly taking care of you because that's caretaking. That's not friendship. It's caretaking. Well, we don't want to be doing caretaking in our friendships. Caretaking is for caretaking. Friendships are for friendships. So take inventory. Is there an equal exchange of energy? And if not, do I need to find new friends? Other inventory. Kids sports, extracurricular things, hobbies. Did you sign up to a book club because your friend pushed you into it and you really don't want to be a part of it? Now's the time to take inventory and say, I've been taking inventory and, you know, I think I'm going to pass on, you know, the next book club. Holidays. Take inventory of the upcoming holidays and ask yourself, how are we spending these holidays? The next holiday that's coming up, everyone take a deep breath. It's Thanksgiving. It's been a long time from now, but that is the next holiday. 
So these are just some of the areas you want to take inventory on. Inventory. We live in a time where we have everything we want in a moment's notice. We don't, we don't need everything right now, this second. It's hard to focus on that delayed gratification. My daughter started reading chapter books. And in this book, uh, one of the sentences was, I needed to rewind the cassette. And so my daughter comes over to me and she goes, what's a cassette and what's rewind? Ah, well, I had a lot of fun talking to her about that. And then she tells me, but mommy, if you had to rewind the cassette, that's like 15 minutes of your screen time that went like for rewinding. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't have a lot of screen time. We played outside on our bikes. That's why we don't have a lot of screen time in this house. But it just, it was this reminder of like, wow, like growing up, we had to wait to rewind something. You couldn't just go zip and now the video is in the beginning, right? You had to wait. And so discipline and patience was part of our upbringing naturally from the environment that we grew up in. But now we live in a world where everything is now. So even though we were raised with discipline and patience, we're part of the environment. We're getting affected. We have to reparent ourselves. We have to be a good parent to ourselves and say, no, honey, you're going to wait. Just like you tell your kid to wait before he has the cookie before dinner. You're going to tell yourself, you can wait. You're going to be okay. You can wait. When they long for what we had, yeah. <laughs> you know, but our kids grow up with a lot of things that we didn't have that I'm very grateful for that has evolved, you know? And so it's kind of that like reckoning. Where am I? So after we do the inventory, we're going to start with a clean slate on our calendar. Everything comes off, every meeting, every single meeting. So every one on one, every huddle, every single meeting comes off, every commitment. And you start fresh, you recast, right? You recast these things into your life. So you delete everything and you recast. Okay, what do I wanna do on Monday mornings? What is significant and valuable for the growth of the company for me to do on a Monday morning? Should I be doing a team meeting? Should I be doing a huddle? Should I leave Monday morning open the first two hours for thinking time on big picture and visionary work if I'm the owner? Should I be doing 20 minutes of that every day in the morning and block that out and not allow meetings for the first hour of every day? There's so many different ways to design your day. And guess what? You have the freedom to choose that. Yes, you do. As much as you think you don't, you do. As you're recasting, here are some questions to ask yourself. Number one. What am I no longer doing? Could be simple things. I will no longer fold laundry. I am delegating that out. I said no to that like 15 years, like 12 years ago. So um, I will no longer fold laundry. I will no longer order cleaning supply in the school. Someone else will do that. I will no longer. I don't know, take care of payroll. Here is the way to get the most out of this exercise. Don't self-edit. Make your brain dump and then decide 
what you're really not going to do. But first do your brain dump. I no longer want to do this. I no longer want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't Because what it does is it actually shows, oh my gosh, I, I really don't like doing a lot of things in my day. Okay, so now let's create some redesigning. So we're going to do 60 second brain dump. Come into the comments and I want you to brain dump as quickly as you can what you don't want to do anymore. Go. This is always fun. Clean out the storage set, basic repairs, no more handling, what trainings are out of date, small problems, supplies, snack planning, repeat messages, order food, clean bathrooms, maintenance, supply orders, dishes, putting away supplies, unclogging toilets. Keep going. Not everyone answered yet. Go, go. No one's judging you. Whatever you write over here is fine. Just, just. Get it out of your system. Grocery shopping, teaching in the classroom, staffing, making name tags, swag bag for new staff, new staff hiring. So anything related to onboarding, essentially, right? A lot of the onboarding, supply closet cleaning, staffing schedules, break schedules, clean the break room, food program paperwork. Yes. Teaching in classrooms, reading emails that are not for me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We need to create filters, right? Not for Jessica folder. Someone else read this. There is a really good training that Galena send over to send over to Jessica on how to sort your inbox with the right filters. It's phenomenal, which would be really great, um, especially if you no longer want to do that. Mediating the little arguments of staff, repeating myself. <laughs> I love it. Okay, this is good. This is really good. Staff therapy. Next filter. I was doing some research for today's training on why it's so hard to change. Why is it so hard to change our habits? Why is it so hard to change what we're doing? Like, why, why is it so hard? So I came across a really amazing podcast interview and the, the guy was talking, he's a, a, a neuroscientist, and he was talking about how by the time you're 35 years old, your brain and body have designed a hardware operating system that this is who you are. This is what you do. You wake up in the morning at eight o'clock, you get in the car, you start driving and you get pissed off for traffic. Every day, every day, this is what you do. Then you come in, you, you use the bathroom, you get your cup of coffee and then you complain that there isn't sugar. And then you go do the next thing, right? And so you are hardware for everything that's happening in your day. And so when 11 o'clock comes, and you're not getting mad at the custodian for not showing up, your body's like, one second, we usually get upset at this time of day. What's going on? And so then your body starts looking for a different distraction because it's got to do the thing that it usually does. I want you to write this down on a separate piece of paper. I want to invite you to keep it on your desk for the next week. You are either consciously saying no to things that do not matter or you were unconsciously saying no to the things that really do. I'll say it again. You are either consciously saying no to the things that don't matter, or you are unconsciously saying no to the things that really do. And this is why change is so hard, because we operate from an automatic hardware system. This is just what we do. And it's very difficult to tell your body, no, we're not doing this now. I'm in charge. We're not getting upset now. 
I'm in charge. We're not getting pissed off. We're not yelling now. We're not getting annoyed. No, we're not doing that today. And so the filter, I'm going to give you guys two different things to think about depending on where you are in the journey. One thing to, to think about is what habit do I need to introduce into my day that is connected with my significant projects? So if my significant projects are growth and expansion, parent initiative program, I don't know, community out, whatever it is, what is the habit that I need to introduce to be able to be aligned with that significant project? Okay, so that's one thing that you could look at. Another thing that you could look at, which is different from habits, is let's say you're good at habits, right? You know, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, right? If you want to start teaching your body that you're in charge and the software that's in your body is not in charge, right? Because what happens is basically is you're not in charge. You're a slave to your body. Your body says, go eat. You go eat. It says, get angry. It gets angry. Like you're not in charge anymore. It is all subconscious thoughts. If you want to teach your body, I know the parent got upset at me. I know the teacher did this. Here's how I'm going to respond. Here's what I'm going to do. This is where the power of meditation comes in. You need to teach your body that you're in charge. This is why meditation is so powerful because you tell your body, sit still for 10 minutes. We're not getting up. When 10 minutes are done, I will feed you. I will give you a drink. You can look at your phone. You could get distracted. You could do whatever the hell you want. But for 10 minutes, you're going to sit in this chair and we're going to meditate. When you learn how to take control and command your body what you want it to do, now you're in charge. Not your hardware, not your subconscious habits, you're in charge. This is why meditation is so powerful. So choose which one works for you. You might not be in a place where you can introduce meditation into your life. That's fine. I'm giving you options. I'll say the quote again, someone said over here, you're either consciously saying no to the things that don't matter or unconsciously saying no to the things that really do. How many of you would like to introduce meditation as a habit into your life? Or if you already do it, would like your team to introduce meditation into their life? In the summer, uh, my kids start school an hour later than they do during the school year. They start camp at nine and during the school year, they start school at eight. So we have an hour of more time together in the morning. And I was thinking about, you know, how can we use this time in the morning to maybe introduce some new habits. And so one of the things that I introduced was morning meditation for my girls. Um, And so there's a five minute morning meditation. It's literally five minutes. And they sit on the couch and they listen to a morning meditation. And it's five minutes. Your mind will run off. That's okay. Because every time you notice that your mind is running off, you're in charge because you actually notice that you're getting distracted. The vast majority of the day, you have no idea that you're even distracted. It's been really amazing to watch them meditate every single morning. Now, I don't know if it's something they're going to continue when the school year starts. They have an hour less time in the morning. But the point is that throughout the summer, they're building this habit of five minutes of meditation. Sit still. Don't move. Five minutes. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many. I started three days ago. I already feel a difference. I would love my team to start if they don't already. Yeah, 
So this is a significant project to think about. If you want your team to become a team that meditates five minutes, that's a project to think about. Okay, how am I going to introduce this concept to my team in the beginning of the school year? How can I make time and space for the team to possibly do this? Is this part of their signing in? They come in, they clock in. And part of that is five minutes of meditation before you walk into that classroom. Now, some of you are like, oh my God, but ratios, but this, but that, but they, they got to get into the classroom right away. Okay, yeah, I know. But what if you switched your culture where it was, no, you don't come in with all of your junk. You take five minutes to listen to this meditation and then you step foot into a classroom, right? That's a significance project, right? Because now you're teaching your people, we don't work on autopilot here. We don't work on autopilot here, right? We're intentional. We're mindful. I know this sounds super scary and I'm not telling you to implement this. I am giving you ideas to disrupt your normal way of thinking. That is the goal of any training that I do, any coaching session. I want to feed your mind and show you there are so many different ways that you could choose to spend your time and work through projects. How many of the teachers would roll their eyes at you if you said that they needed to do that before they walked into the classroom? All of my... They would do that in the beginning, but then they would start to see the impact of it, right? So again, this is a big part of your mindset. When you turn it into something fun and something that this is going to be amazing, it's different. Yeah, and that's fine. Half of your staff are trying something. That means half of your culture is being more intentional and not coming in zombie-like into the classroom. Incredible. Can I just come in five minutes later, right? That's again the quick hit. Just give me five more minutes to sleep. Just give me five. If I could get five more minutes to sleep, oh my God, I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be so rested. No, you're not. Get out of bed. Don't snooze. My teachers have 30 minutes before the children arrive. So I think it would be a great thing to begin their morning. Catherine, this is so beautiful. They need to come 30 minutes earlier. And here is part of your rhythm, right? Because here's the thing when it comes to a rhythm, eventually you do it subconsciously. It's called the unconsciously competent. It's a great concept. It's called being unconsciously competent. How No one thinks anymore when they drive. You know how to drive. You're unconsciously competent at driving. You get in the car and you drive. When you first started driving, you weren't competent. When you do something enough times, you become unconsciously competent at it. What if you became unconsciously competent at meditation, at emotional regulation, at calming your nervous system, at being intentional about what you're doing? Can you see my screen? So this is, you don't have to use this calendar. This is a visual because I wanted to create some visual imagery for you when it comes to planning out your calendar. We are currently in July, okay? So let's say you're looking at from July until July, right? This is a year right here. These are all the days and all the weeks of your year from July till July because we're looking at the you know academic calendar. The way I like to set this up is highlighting the different kinds of commitments that you have, vacations, big projects, staff development, holidays, family time, camp. So I'm going to give you a little run through here for a moment. Let's start with July. Your July 4th weekend, we're going to use blue as vacation, okay? So you have July, you have July 4th weekend, your school is closed. Let's say in August, you're taking a vacation as well with your family. Well, that's August taken up. In November, you have Thanksgiving. 
That's also in December, you have the Christmas vacation and it goes through New Year's. Most people don't come back to school till the till the 5th. February, you've got President's Day or President's Week, depending on how much time you give off. You see how the calendar is already all filling up with blue? Look at that, right? We, we're just starting vacations here, okay? April or March, some people have um, spring break or whatever it is. You've got May, you've got the end of the school year, ends around this time, and then there's typically a break over here. You've got June. You can fill it out how you want. I'm just showing you some things. All right, now let's go to staff development. Beginning of the school year, we typically like to do staff development. So that's either August or September. We're going to do that in yellow. Okay, staff development. We do have a couple of days of staff development. Then you decide, you know what? Every month, every quarter, sorry, I want to do a one day or two days. All right. So you have August. So your next one's going to be in November. So let's say you decide in November, we're going to do a couple of days over here. We're going to do staff development. All right. Now you have the upcoming school year. You have March. You have the live event coming up. You want to come to the live event. You got that taken care of. Then you have June again. You have another staff development over here. So now, again, you're placating. You're placeholding staff development, the big days. All right, let's go into big projects. Big projects, meaning big seasons of overcommitment where there is a surge of other things happening, okay? September, beginning of the school year. If the first day of school is the end of August, the entire September the entire September, I'm going to say this again, the entire September cannot have any big projects. It is blocked out for margin. Here's why. There's always something happening in the beginning of the school year. This teacher, this, this one, this, this thing didn't, didn't clear. This one's actually not a good fit. We've got to fit, fix this person. This parent has, there's always something. There's always something. Now, if you are operating from this system already for a long time where you understand your schedules and routines and you don't, you haven't experienced a September where there's this constant craziness, great. Don't block out the whole September, block out a week. But remember, if you're new to this, create margin. So you got that out for, for margin, for, for whatever's going on. Now let's look at family time. Are you blocking out any vacations for family time? Are you blocking out any things for um, a big initiative that's coming up? So in May, there's Mother's Day. I always forget what it is. What is it over here, right? So you have a big project. Let's use, let's use pink. You wanna do a Mother's Day thing in May. You wanna do a Father's Day breakfast in June if you're still you know, in school at that time. Um, you want to do a Christmas party for the school, but you guys are closed here. Okay. So we're going to do it in the beginning of the, we're going to do it over here. What you're doing here is you're starting to placehold things. So you can start to realize the calendar gets filled up a lot faster than you think it does. And this is why we're so overcommitted and overwhelmed because we are not allocating for all these things already in advance. Right? These are the things that are going to come up. So let's say you have May, you want to do your Mother's Day breakfast. Okay, well, when do you need to start planning for that? Six weeks in advance. Okay, so six weeks in advance. So you've got one, two, three. You got typically end of March. So end of March is going to be the kickoff call. Let's say you could 
pick purple as a kickoff call. This is when we're kicking off the Mother's Day project. We're going to sit down, the whole administration, we're going to meet, and we're going to decide, what are we doing for Mother's Day? What resources do we have available? What capacity do we have on the team? How many teachers are in or out? Are we short-staffed? Can we even do Mother's Day the same way we did it last year? I don't know. I don't know what your school is going to look like in March of 2023. That's why you schedule a kickoff call and you will see what you can actually say yes to. Okay, I want to pause and I want to give um, some space to ask clarifying questions about this concept. Feel free to drop it in the comments or, or raise your hand and I can unlock you. Go for it. Hi, Paige. Yeah, good to see hey, you. Good to see you. So for these, are you supposed to kind of do one of them for yourself? I mean, because obviously, you know, we all have different, like I, I have a director who would do the Mother's Day thing, in other words. So is she making her own calendar too? And then I'm just doing one for myself or is it for the nope. school in general? It's for the school because you can't plan something on Mother's Day, right? Meaning the school is committed to doing this project. So this is what happens within our teams, right? So your time isn't allocated for that, but the company is working on this. So you can you can have your own kind of little project that you're working on or whatever it is, but as a company, you, like meaning, let's say I had the live event, right? 90% of the live events that's on Michaelina's plate. I take care of 10%, the last 10%, which is the content and you know the experience. But but as a company, we still block out months and months of that, right? Because the whole company is working on it, even though my portion of it is very minimal. Because yeah. you don't want to overcommit. Such a good question, Paige. Okay. It's, it's a company calendar. Yeah. And in the company calendar, everyone puts their vacations on that company calendar. Because then here's what happens with the color coding. It happens very quickly. We, we see this in, in, our, in our dashboard. We're like, oh, my gosh. We only have four working days in July where everyone is working because this one's taking off four days here and this one's taking off three days here and this one's doing this. Okay, well then as a company, what can we actually do in July if there's only four company working days? It, it's a beautiful way to show you the power of constraint. Someone else, great question. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. I'm a little overwhelmed at starting from scratch and just yes. thinking about all of the seasons. Can you go through some examples? Of, of seasons that you would sure for, like flu season sure. I wouldn't have thought about that but flu season so time. flu season is a big season to plan for so again flu season depends where you live when you live in Minnesota or New York oh my gosh are you going to be plagued by that right it's freezing um and so but when you live in Florida it, it's a different kind of season or California or whatever it is right so flu season well when is typically flu season this is a great time to look at your data last year what did, um, how many call-outs did we have during the month of January? How many teachers were out sick during the month of February? How many teachers were out sick during March, right? All of this is documented. It's not rocket science, right? And so you go back and you look at the data and you do your best to forecast, okay, we were extremely short-staffed in February. Okay, so what we're going to do is we are going to overstaff in February as an insurance policy, as an insurance policy for flu season. So just like you buy health insurance, so if I get sick, I could go to the doctor. Overstaffing during flu season is an insurance policy for retention. You're buying an insurance policy that even when you're short staff, you're not going to overwhelm your team because you've got enough people. 
So flu season, beginning of the school year, huge season, right? Depending on where you're holding in the stage of journey, uh, in, in the pyramid of excellence, you're working on different things in the beginning of the school year, end of the school year. If you do parent-teacher conferences, that's a season. Holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we'd start booking holiday parties, and then we don't even realize that we're double, triple booked. You have a holiday party at your you know, in-laws, and, and your team booked a holiday party the same night for the team. Well, now you got Sophie's choice. It's forecasting this in advance and saying, okay, how many holiday parties can I handle during Thanksgiving and New Year's? You don't have to do a holiday party and a New Year's party and a Thanksgiving party. It's okay. I promise. You don't have to do all three. You could do one or none. Does that help, Maria? Does that answer your question as far as like seasons to look at? Yes, definitely. Great question. Yes, Kathy, um, a company calendar is life-changing. Creating a company calendar where in advance it is color-coded to, so for example, one of the things in our company calendar is when um, I am out speaking, right? So Because I do a lot of speaking. So it's color-coded like, okay, when is Hani out of town speaking so we don't book her for anything? Or we don't plan certain projects because we know we're going to need her approval on certain things. So we're going to plan that project either before or when she gets back. So these things, as you get into the rhythm of it, it becomes a lot easier for the team to make decisions and move forward on projects because they're not waiting for you on everything. Okay, Um, just give me a yes in the comments if you understand this concept. Let me know if you want some additional training on this concept. Like, again, this is a new concept I'm introducing to you guys. I want, for those of you that want to go ahead with this, again, this is not, nothing's mandatory here. No one's getting great. Um, but if you want support with this, I, Michalina and I want to make sure that we're giving you the support that you need. Okay. Kathy says, do you do this in a way that makes it more detailed in Google? Michalina, you want to chime in here for a minute, like, uh, and, and then maybe we could create a training on like how we created like the company calendar inside of ClickUp and. Um, yeah, so um, it, I think we could actually make a, a training on how we kind of dive deep into making it more detailed and becoming like more detailed with certain things. Obviously, like not every single thing has to be detailed out, but maybe sure. I'll make a training for that and uh, I'll send it out. Okay. Yeah? So, yeah. Yeah. So an example of, a, so we have like a company calendar of like commitments that are going on speaking when team members are off. And then we have a marketing calendar. When is Hani speaking? When is this podcast rolling out? When is she doing a media appearance? When is she when is this blog post going out, right? So that when opportunity comes and someone's like, hey, you know, can you speak, I don't know, at this thing, we check the calendar. Okay, Connie's already booked. Like there's no, she could write something or you can repurpose some of our stuff, but she's not available for, you know, an in-person appearance or, or whatever it is. So a marketing calendar, what are you promoting So Maria, to answer your question from seasons, part of the seasons is when do you promote summer camp? When do you promote summer enrollment? When do you promote uh, spring enrollment? That needs to be on your calendar because your team needs to know how to plan for the marketing period of that enrollment. Wondering how it works with several people inputting time off. Okay, uh, tell tell me some more about your question, Inez. You have to unmute yourself. Yeah, just wondering, like, if this is a company calendar and you have... Not including teachers. So this is head, this is like the main leadership team. Correct. So, you know, in in my organization, we have several people, main office people. I'm just wondering, like, 
is if we're both taking, if two, two of us are taking the same couple weeks off, how does that look on that calendar? It looks like both of you are taking time off, which means now the team has to be strategic about, can we not do certain things? Because Inez and this person is out, do we need to reduce capacity because we don't have this additional person who usually does X, Y, and Z? This is why you knowing where you spend your time helps people make decisions because the team knows, oh, one second, Inez is out for those two weeks. That means I can't do these seven things because Inez always helps me with them. Versus, you know, you just thinking head in the sky, like, oh, no, the team could go on no problem without me. I don't really help them with anything, right? Or I don't really, no, no, no. And that's what I was, I mean, obviously, that's what <clears throat> I'm assuming that that's what it would be for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, Maria, again, there's so many different ways to play with this, right? There's a company calendar, there's a school calendar, depending if you have like multiple centers, right? Because different centers have different commitments. One of the other reasons for doing this, and this is where I want to kind of move into here, is this concept of capacity planning. Um, We all overestimate how much time we actually have to do something. We all think it's going to take five minutes and it takes five hours. We think it's going to take one week and it takes seven months. This is like notorious for like software migrations. Like I, I I can like beat a dead horse all day long with like every single owner I've spoken to. Stop thinking that software migration takes a month. It takes a year, a year. And here's why. It takes three months of training the team. It takes six months of getting the team acclimated and upgraded to it. And then it takes another three months to get into the habit and get into the groove right? Because you might know how to use it, but you still have to look at the checklist of like, okay, click this button. Okay. One second. Where was the start? Oh, it's on the left-hand screen with this software. Oh, the dropdown didn't work. Oh, right. They changed the dropdown to the left side, right? That takes time as opposed to, you know, when you open the door to your house, you don't need to remind yourself how to open the door. You know exactly how to open the door you do with your eyes closed. Eventually, your team uses the software with their eyes closed, but it takes time. It takes time. I'm in the middle of it right now. Pin numbers are killing me. Software migrations <laughs> are like the death of child cares. They are, oh, they are so tedious. They are so challenging. And we set ourselves up for such false expectations because we all think it's going to take faster. And we all think we are quick learners. And we all think that the return on the investment is going to happen in a sec. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be easy. It's going to be simple. No, it's not. So capacity planning. Okay. I went down a rabbit hole. I went on my soapbox of software migrations. Capacity planning. When you understand kangaroo time is support. Yes. Scott is amazing. Scott and I are best friends. I love Scott's kangaroo time. I love software migrations to good ones. You just need to understand this is a 12-month process. It is going to take your team time to become unconsciously competent in using that software. So like, and so this is so many times like owners will be like, why is it taking her so long to do this? Like, you know, it should should only take her 20 minutes and she spent 45 minutes on that. And that's why she wasn't able to get into the classroom. Yeah, because she's not unconsciously competent at it yet. So it should take 20 minutes and it will in a year from now. But right now she's in the learning phase, right? Right? Why does it take, you know, my son 
five minutes to tie his shoes. Well, he's four. He's learning how to tie his shoes. If it took me five minutes to tie my shoes every morning, we would not be in a very good place, right? You become unconsciously competent at certain things, but there's a learning curve. And just because you're a grown-up, right, it doesn't mean that you don't have a learning curve anymore. Yeah, you're not learning how to brush your teeth and tie your shoes and use the bathroom and drive a car, but you are learning how to do a lot of other things. Wouldn't it be nice if people gave grace to the learning curve that it takes to learn new things. Just, just give me a yes in the comments if you would appreciate. So <laughs> I watched my husband. So we're in the summer now and uh, my husband has a lighter schedule. So I was like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to cook dinner three days a week and I'm going to cook dinner three days a week. And he's like, well, I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, well, you're working less. And so that would be great if you can, you know, help out a little bit over here. Right. So we're having this conversation about dinners and he's like, all right, fine. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do dinner three times a week. And I'm watching him in the kitchen and I'm like, oh my God, it takes him like an hour and a half to put dinner together, right? I didn't cook it, so I'm cool, but it took him an hour and a half. And I'm like, oh babe, like this is crazy. <laughs> like we, we can't do dinner for an hour and a half over here of prep, right? He makes delicious food because he's a perfectionist. Everything's got to be measured and this and that. But we also, what I also have to remember, he is not unconsciously competent in putting together salmon and pasta, right? Why? Because he doesn't make it every single night or every week. So it takes some time to kind of like figure out, okay, where was the pot and how do I turn on the thing? And one second, the that's boiling over and I forgot that thing's burning. Like he, he's trying to figure it out. So it's taken him a long time, right? There's a learning curve anytime you're doing something, even if you know how to cook, if you don't cook every night, it's going to take you longer. So the grace for the learning curve, when you have your team learning new things, grace for the learning curve. Janice, do you add your key to the bottom of the calendar? Yeah, you don't want to make too many colors. So you agree as a team, like what do the colors mean? But you don't want it to be like the rainbow, like maybe four or five colors at the most. Okay. So capacity planning. This is the, the final concept I want to teach. Uh, I want to, I want to go over today. When you're mapping out projects, okay, so beginning of the school year, events, holidays, staff development, capacity planning is before you sign off on a project, right? Before the team says, okay, yes, we are doing this. You are taking inventory of the team's capacity and you're doing it from their time budget. Meaning, if 50% of their time is allocated for maintenance, one-on-ones, classroom observations, gratitude, pair, whatever, right? 30% of their time is discretionary seasonal stuff, and 20% is margin. Well, does your team have capacity to do this project? Because the vast majority of people just say yes, and they dip right into margin. And this is why you'll hear yourself say, oh, it got really busy, so I haven't done one-on-ones in a while. Oh, it got really busy, so I haven't done gratitude in a long time. Oh, it got really busy, so I haven't done, you know, my daily habits, meditation, prayer, whatever. No, it's not that it got really busy. It's you didn't capacity plan appropriately. You thought it would be okay to dip into your margin. You thought it would be okay to dip into all of these things. And that is why you don't have capacity. 
Okay, give me a yes in the comments if this rings true for you. We, we have forgotten that we have to do capacity planning from the lens of understanding what are our current commit. Yeah, we blame time all day long. What is our capacity planning based on our anchors, right? Based on what's going on. I was talking to Mel. Mel and I had a, had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, we're talking about overwhelm and everything. And one of the things I asked her was, how are you doing with your anchors, right? Have you forgotten what your anchors are, what you need to do every single day to stay anchored and grounded? And she was saying, no, I let that all, you know, go to the wayside. Why? Because what happens is, is things get busy, things come up. And then we're like, oh, I could skip meditation today. I don't need to do prayer today. I don't need to do exercise today. I'm going to skip that date with my husband this week. We'll go on next week. I'm going to skip that date with my kid. We'll go out a different time. I'm going to skip, skip my quiet time where I have, you know, read a book and have a glass of wine. I'm going to skip that because I'm really busy. And then you do it over and over and over and over again. And then you don't recognize yourself anymore. And we do this from a good place, right? These are such important projects. Okay, but you also decided that all of these are important. These are anchors for you. You also decided that prayer and and, and friendship and um you know, walking and exercise and dating your husband and spending time with your kids is also important. What are your non-negotiables? What are the non-negotiables? What hits the calendar and never budges? I got invited to speak at a big event uh, cross country in December. And I have a rule that when I speak, I never speak over the weekends because I always want to be home with my family over the weekend. And so if I speak on a Friday where I'm speaking now, it's close by, right? So I could drive home and be home in time for the weekend. This opportunity was a really big opportunity, but the speaking engagement is Friday morning, which means I wouldn't be able to be home in time for the weekend. And so I had to really sit in, okay, is this opportunity part of my significance projects that I'm ready to forgo not being home on the weekend, which means I'd fly to Arizona and be with my brother-in-law for, for the weekend, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Or is this a shiny object and it's just a really great opportunity that's really dressed as a distraction? It is really difficult to make decisions like that. But when you are anchored in what your non-negotiables are and what your anchors are, right? And you stay committed to them, then when you have to make a decision like this, where it's like, but but I, I've never not spent the weekend with my family. Okay. Is this opportunity big enough that you're going to make this sacrifice this one time? I said, yes, I'm speaking at this event, just so you know. Um, but in case everyone's suspense is holding. But here's the thing. Why did I say yes? Because for 12 years, I've never said no. For 12 years that I have kids, I have never said no, never spent a weekend without my family. And so when the opportunity is big enough, right, I'm going to say yes. 
But when you always say no to your family, like, oh, this opportunity is also big and this is also really important. Well, well, now you've broken trust because now you don't have non-negotiables, right? Now you don't have non-negotiables. I want you to drop into the comments. What are some insights that you have? I want to give space for processing. I want to give space for questions and wrap up. All right, so drop into the comments. Review your notes. What are you holding? What do you want some of your next steps to be? What's kind of sitting with you? Okay. I need to spend a lot more time thinking about capacity. Yeah, this this is a big mindset shift, capacity planning. When when we started doing this in our company, Nicolina, how long are we doing this for? Maybe three months, maybe four or five months at the most. Um, It's life-changing. It is life-changing when you operate from a place of capacity planning. Caitlin, a change in our home routine has completely made me change some of my previous non-negotiables. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, Maria, um, everyone on my leadership team has been in their current position less than a year. Their capacity is limited and you need to give white space for growth. Yes, right? Let them grease the slide a little bit more. Let them get a little bit more comfortable before we give them some new stuff, right? It's... It's so normal to want to keep giving and keep giving them projects, especially when they show high levels of competence, but take it slow. Take it slower. You don't need to catch up. Uh, Creating margin during those heavy seasons. Yeah. A lot of you have been sitting quiet and just processing. I don't have any questions or anything. Marsha, was this helpful for you? By the way, this is spearheaded by Marsha's question last week where we we went into some of the annual stuff. So so thank you, Marsha. Paige, I like the idea you will never be fully caught up. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Telling your directors that and showing them that you believe that, right? And and modeling that, that should be the expectation. It comes with the territory. What, Caitlin, that that you're never caught up? Or are you talking about something else? Um, Mel, I need to reflect on capacity. Yeah. Capacity planning is very difficult for ambitious people because we're ambitious. So we're like, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Capacity planning is hard because I know you're ambitious and I know you could do a lot of things. And please remember you need margin because you don't get to plan when the sewer breaks in your school. And now you all of a sudden need a million towels to clean the place. You, you just don't get to plan that. Um, expect and embrace the chaos. Yes, 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 yes. It helps to create a full year plan. Also, that needs to limit where we are planning. Yeah, amazing, Marcia. Uh, things never slow down. We're never cut up. Yes. Okay. So I want to kind of give you some last thoughts to think about. And I hope that between today and Monday, you give yourself the gift of some quiet space to reflect on today's training session. There is a lot of information. The recording hopefully will be up within the next 24 hours. Um, I, I want you to give yourself permission to process, to work through this, to figure out what you want your next steps to be. It's just, there's, there's a lot of information in here. And so I want to give you some bullet points to think about as you go into your reflection um, after today's call. Number one, time track. You and the team, 
everybody time track on Monday for one week. After you time track, you want to look at the calendar together and start thinking, again, these are ideas. You don't have to do everything. Um, I know I say this at nauseum, but I, I, a lot of people need to hear this again and again. <laughs> this is not mandatory. I want you to look at your calendar with the with your leadership team and start asking some questions. You know, where do we want to do professional development? You know, what, what days, what months? Where are we closing down as a school? Where are we turning off as a school? Where are we doing possibly a lighter schedule? Right, because as you look at the calendar from a color-coded perspective, what happens is you start realizing, oh my gosh, we're on the whole year. Where is there some rest? Where is there a couple of weeks where we're just flowing through maintenance? You, you can't be on for 12 months, ladies. You can't, right? You have to pause. And I don't mean a pause, take a nap for 20 minutes. I mean, every single week can't be high growth week. There has to be some weeks where it's just, just a little bit quieter. Plan for it, right? Then you want to start looking at capacity planning, right? What does this director have capacity for? What do I have capacity for? What does the enrollment specialist have capacity for during this season? What do I have capacity for? Paige, it really stresses some people out when I get ideas and it's visually down in a way that we could truly see what we can expect. Yeah, so um, I had a conversation with an owner a couple weeks ago um, and I said, she is no longer allowed to share ideas with her directors um, besides for once a month when they do idea calls. Um, they both started laughing. They both did not like that idea. And it has significantly reduced the stress on the director where she actually sees a difference in the quality of her sleep. Now, you need to remember, these people are extraordinary human beings. Um, both of them, the owner, they're amazing people. They love each other. They care about each other. Um, your ideas become your director's commands, even though it's an idea. In their mind, it's perceived as a command. And so write your ideas down and then discuss them on idea calls. Now, this is a learning curve. I used to do this all the time with Michalina. Um, and now we've gotten way better um, at this. But taking the time where there's there's kickoff calls, right? There's calls where it's like, okay, this is the call. Like next Thursday, we have our live event kickoff call for the live event. Everyone on the team who needs to be there is going to be on that call. I have a whole list of ideas that I wrote inside of my phone. And I'm going to brain dump them on that meeting, right? Meaning I did not brain dump any of those ideas yet to anyone. No one knows any of my ideas of anything that I have planned for that meeting, nor should they. I don't need them to take their brain space on that, right? Because guess what? By Thursday, I'm going to have 40 more ideas. And then as a grown up, I get to make decisions about, okay, which ideas do I actually want to share with the team? right? It's, it's really difficult when you're creative, when you're ambitious, when you are just, you, you have a lot, like there's a lot of abundance that you want to share with the world. And it's so beautiful. Please don't ever stop bringing your light into the world. Don't dim your light. Don't stop bringing your light into the world. We need to understand how to channel it better. We need to understand how to channel it better. 
Oh, good, Caitlin. I'm so glad. Sharon, lots of processing. Good. So time tracking, scheduling the calendar, capacity planning. And let us know in the comments or send Michalina a follow-up of what additional kind of training or, I don't know, support would you want as you, you know, take on this project? Where do you feel like you need some extra support? Maybe an office hours is directed specifically towards something like, let you could think about it, but you don't have to answer us right now. What, what would you need so that we could sit down um, and think about how we can support you better? Um, I want to thank everyone for joining. I love doing these calls. I love quarterly planning. I love annual planning. I love doing this with you all. I love seeing everyone. So I want to thank you all for joining. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.